Hi, my name is Steve Bartlett and welcome to Fight Back. In 2008, the Supreme Court in the landmark decision, Heller, for the very first time in history, decided that individuals have a constitutional right under the Second Amendment to own a firearm, specifically a handgun. And that was written by the famous Justice Scalia. Conservatives were elated by that decision. However, one thing that they didn't realize is that that right is not unlimited. Scalia specifically said that it is constitutional for the government to pass laws prohibiting felons, the mentally ill, and other undesirables from being able to own uh, handguns. According to Justice Scalia in that decision, it is constitutional, in his words, to impose, quote-unquote, conditions and qualifications on the commercial sale of guns. Therefore, gun control does not always violate the Second Amendment. And that's what tonight's show is going to be about. The balancing test between the government's right to impose conditions and qualifications while weighed against respect for the constitutional rights of gun owners. So let's get to the show right away. Okay, the way that the government decides uh, how to screen the undesirables who they don't want to own guns is through the uh, National Instant Criminal Background Check System, the NCIS, which was developed by the Brady Bill in 1993. Now, there's been a lot of criticism about the Brady Bill. However, since, that, since 1993, over one million people were prevented from buying guns who fell under the categories of undesirable, convicted felons, or the mentally ill. So the Brady Bill did have some actual success. There, it's not a 100% failure. A lot of undesirables were prevented from having guns who legally were not allowed to have them. However, it can be made better. There's a lot of problems with it. The first problem that we have to, in order to fix background checks, is that federal government must force states to cooperate. A lot of states are not doing what they're supposed to do and aren't doing it. And there's also not a lot of funding for them to actually do what they're supposed to be done under this uh, federal background check system. The federal government has to pump in enough money in order to ensure that the system works. Okay, if, if the government is able to pay for the military and tax cuts for the rich, they can pay to make sure that the NCIS actually works. If a state refuses to cooperate with the federal government in uh, coordinating with this background check, the federal government should punish the states by depriving them money under the crime bill or uh, for uh, road improvements. So the federal government can impose conditions on the state to make them comply with the NCIS requirements. Okay? Now, these gun background checks must be made universal. Currently, only if it's being bought through a... Um, a gun store doesn't have to be, do you have to use a background check? Uh, and there's a huge loophole, which is called the gun show loophole, in which if you buy a gun at a gun show, they don't have to do a background check, which allows felons and other undesirables and the mentally ill to buy guns at the gun shows or through individuals. If your brother or your cousin or your best friend wants to sell you a gun, there's no background check. That is ridiculous. If we want to make it so that the background checks actually work. It has to be universal. We have to close the gun show loopholes, and we have to make all firearm transactions, whether it's through a person-to-person, um, -person, friends, relatives, or, or anything else, you have to do it at a dealer. And they have to be able to do a... Um, a background check. So if you want to buy a gun from your cousin, you have to go to the shop, they have to do a background check, which should only take 10 minutes or so, but you have to do that. No more uh, waivers of people having to do background checks because we have to keep the guns away from the undesirables. And if you're a felon, as opposed to going to the gun store, you just go to the gun show. You go on the internet or you go to somebody you know who's not going to do a background check and have them sell you the gun. That has to stop. We have to close that loophole. And we also have to make it a crime for those who 
are convicted felons who actually try to go and buy a gun. As opposed to just making it a crime for felons who own a gun, we should make it a crime for those who are barred from owning guns, the mentally ill and the felons, from being able to buy a gun. And right now, the federal government is not prosecuting for, for this crime. What we should do is we should prosecute those who attempt to buy a gun illegally, prosecute them with a mandatory fine. And maybe some of that money for the fines can actually go to um, pay for the NCIS improvements that we need to do in the computer system. Okay, now let's look at the NCIS as to who right now is not allowed to have a gun. Currently under the NCIS, there's five major categories of who's not allowed to own a firearm in this country. One, convicted felons. Two, those who are convicted of a domestic violence misdemeanor. Three, people who are under a restraining order. Four, anyone who uses or is addicted to illegal drugs. And five, anyone who's been adjudicated as being mentally defective or has been committed to a mental institution. Let's look at each of these and how we can actually improve these things. Okay, first of all, let's look at the felons. In my opinion, this is overbroad. Not all felons are dangerous, and I think we should actually loosen the grips on some people who are felons. The gentleman who was nominated by Mr. Trump yesterday in the Supreme Court kind of agrees with this position, even though he hasn't been explicit about this. However, not all convicted felons are a danger. A lot of felonies are nonviolent. If you bounce a check for more than $500, you're convicted of a felony. These people are not a danger to society, and I don't believe that they should lose their rights to own a firearm. Okay? In my opinion, the only people who should lose their rights to own a firearm are those violent felons or if you are convicted of a drug felony. Because as everybody knows, if you're addicted to cocaine or selling drugs, selling cocaine or something like that, you're more likely to commit a violent crime. Or you're under the influence of something that's so mind-altering, they're more likely to commit a violent crime. So violent felons should, should still be made illegal, but I have no problem saying that non-violent felons should be taken off the list. However, currently under the law, if you have a withhold of adjudication for a felony, you are eligible to buy a gun. And this is a problem because if it's a violent felony and they give you a withhold because the judge is being nice, you are allowed to buy a gun. So if you commit a violent felony under the laws right now, but you get a withhold of adjudication, you can buy a gun. But if you commit a non-violent felony, but they don't give you a withhold of adjudication, you lose your right to own a gun, which is absolutely insane. You can hit a cop still have the right to own a gun. Commit a burglary, you can still own your right to own a gun, but if you bounce a check for $500 and you get an adjudication, you have no right to own a gun. When we get back from break, we'll talk about the other changes to the NCIS that I'm recommending. Hi, 
I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair, and Hollox is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978. If you're found guilty of a misdemeanor domestic violence case, you are also uh, banned from having a firearm. However, that should be expanded to other crimes which are also uh, extremely dangerous, such as stalking. If you're convicted of stalking, you should also be banned from having a firearm. Animal abuse. If you, if you abuse animals, you're a dangerous society. You should be banned from having a firearm. Or anyone who's convicted of more than one violent misdemeanor, which is a misdemeanor battery not domesticated related. I believe that these people are more of a danger than those people who commit non-violent felonies. All these people, if you are violent, you should lose your right to have a gun. If you are convicted of violating a restraining order, you should lose your right to have a gun. Currently, that's not the law either. Another person who I think should be banned from owning a gun is people who are convicted of DUI. A vehicle is potentially a dangerous weapon and is very lethal. However, if you're found guilty of DUI, you are being sloppy with your rights and you're not respecting the rights of others. If you drink and drive, you're a danger to society and you should pay for that by losing your right to own a gun. Okay? Now, the provision which bans people who are addicted to drugs um, is overbroad because what's the definition of an illegal drug user or someone who is addicted to drugs? Currently, under that ban, if you use marijuana, you are banned from owning a firearm. However, you could be a hardcore alcoholic and be allowed to... Uh, own a firearm, even though many more crimes are, can, are perpetrated by people who are drunk as opposed to people who smoke pot. Okay, so it's stupid having a ban on people who use pot, but there should be nothing about you being an addict which prevents you from actually having drugs as long as you're not committing crimes, and we want to have people actually go uh, to treatment. Uh, the mentally defective, currently these people are banned as well. If, you're, if you've ever been found not guilty for a reason of insanity, you're banned from having a gun. If you've ever been found mentally incompetent, okay, you've been found guilty, you're um, unable to have a gun. And if you've ever been Baker Acted, which is an involuntary commitment to a mental hospital because you've been legally found to be a danger to yourself or others, you're banned from having a gun. That one, there's a loophole on there, however, is because a lot of people who are Baker Acted, when the police take them to the hospital, as opposed to being involuntarily committed, they sign a release which allows them to be voluntarily committed. Under those circumstances, I believe that the doctor should still have to fill out a form saying that you meet criteria for Baker Acted, that you are a danger to yourself or others, and therefore Therefore, you should be banned from having a gun as well. So even though you do it voluntarily, if you're taken there involuntarily and you meet the criteria of being a danger to yourself or others, you should lose your right to have a gun as well. Also, if you're on Social Security disability for being mentally disabled, currently under the law that Congress passed last year under Donald Trump, you are still able to have a gun. Okay? That should not be the case. If you're unable to work because the federal government has said that you're so disabled due to mental illness, you should, you're too dangerous to have a firearm. Okay? Or if you've been found incompetent to be able to handle your own affairs, dealing with your Social Security benefits, you should also be unable to, to own a firearm as well. Okay? Now, I know you're sitting there going, well, that's not fair to a lot of people. I believe that there should be a judicial bypass, that if you do lose your rights to own a gun because of these 
previous provisions, you should have a right to go to a judge and be able to prove that you're no longer a danger to society after a period of time. So if you are convicted of a crime that excludes you and you become a law-abiding citizen, you should be able to petition the court and have your rights restored. If you've been found to be mentally incompetent and you go under psychiatric care and you're able to show through evidence that you're no longer a danger to society or to yourself, you should be able to own a firearm again if you were able to do that. Another provision which I think they should expand the people who are banned from having guns is a catch-all provision, which will allow law enforcement or any other uh, interested person from petitioning the court to say that you are, quote-unquote, a clear and convincing danger to yourself of, or others by use of a firearms. That way, for instance, let's say a family member believes that you have a serious drug problem and that you're seriously uh, going to hurt yourself or hurt other people, but you haven't been found guilty of any crimes yet. You've been able to skate through the system. They could be able to petition the court the same way they can petition the court right now to have you locked up for alcohol treatment to take away your guns temporarily by the court, which you can have the right to defend yourself uh, through a court hearing. Uh, but they have to prove that you are a danger. The other people is law enforcement. If you're on the terrorist watch list, for instance, and they believe that you pose a danger because of questionable behavior, but they have no other, other way to take you off the gun list because you haven't been found guilty of any crimes, at least they can then petition a court, kind of like what they do with the FISA court, so that you lose your right to have a gun temporarily, but you have a right to have a return hearing, go in front of the judge, and present your case so that you can have your rights restored. Okay? That's what I actually believe. Other conditions about... Uh, what we can do for regular uh, registration is a five-day waiting period before you f uh, buy a gun. This will stop a lot of crimes of uh, passion where people find their wife cheating and get mad and go out and kill their wife. This will give a five-day waiting period. Or um, if a person is mentally ill, it will allow them to have the opportunity to get treatment and hopefully during those five days the danger will pass. Uh, I also believe that anybody who has a gun should have to take a gun safety class. You have to get a driver's license to operate a, a, a vehicle because you're out in public and you're a danger. I think that everybody should have to know how to handle a gun, how to how to treat it safely, how to lock it and store it, have to take a basic safety class. I know the NRA offers a lot of those type of classes. I think it should be mandatory the same way that uh, a safety class, you have to know the rules of the road when you drive a car. You should have to know how to handle a firearm safely before you should be able to own a firearm. These are conditions that I actually want to talk about that okay but now let's talk about something else okay so these are the undesirables who shouldn't have a gun okay but there's other types of things that are really important and I know about these from comic books let's talk about spider-man for a second okay let's talk about spider-man graphic spider-man click let's see it it's not there okay well let me talk about it anyway but let me talk about it anyway okay Peter Parker in the very first episode of spider-man okay when he got his powers, he tried to exploit it for money. So what he did is he started making money wrestling, okay? And while, he was, and while he was all happy making money wrestling, he saw a crime being occurred, and a police officer was chasing a burglar. And the cop was saying, hey, help me, help me, help me. And Spider-Man blew it off. He didn't want to actually help. Even though Pete knew this guy was a danger, he didn't want to help because he was too good for that, okay? And then what happened is after the burglar got away, when he went home, he found out that his Uncle Ben was murdered. Okay, he was murdered, and guess what? He was murdered by that same burglar. Oh my God, how traumatic. If Peter Parker would have acted on his powers, he could have saved the life of his Uncle Ben. And in the famous last caption of the very first Spider-Man, it said, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And that's what I think about certain gun extended rights. 
Like I said, the Constitution only gives you the right to actually own a handgun in the privacy of your own home. It's never been expanded. And here's two expansions. One is a person carrying a weapon, a concealed weapon in public, okay? That gives a person a lot of power because they could possibly endanger society. There's a big difference between owning a handgun and keeping it at home and having a gun on your person and going out into society. If you don't have the right temperament and you're a hothead, a verbal dispute can turn into a firefight. Okay, what do I think these people should do? Well, these people need more experience than a regular gun owner. So I think that you shouldn't be able to be a first-time gun owner and have a right to carry a concealed weapon. You should have to take a little bit of time before you actually have the right to have that gun. Okay, you need more training and more regulation. Okay, the same reason a commercial pilot has to have more training than a person who just wants to fly for themselves, or a commercial truck driver has to have an actual license in order to be able to drive for other people as well. When we come back, we'll talk about um, what I want to do about that. I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair and Hot Locks is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978. If you want to drive a tractor trailer, you need a special license. You need more training, you need more skills, and you need more insurance. If you want to carry a firearm in public, I believe that you need to have insurance so that if I get killed in the crossfires, we can sue the hell out of you. Okay, you need more responsibility, just like Spider-Man. With ultimate power, you have the power because you're in the streets with a firearm, a concealed weapon, you have the responsibility of treating it safely. And also, I believe that anybody who has a, a uh, concealed weapons firearm should have to take a yearly MMPI test, similar to the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory Test, which is there to screen out those people who are mentally unstable. And Because I believe that a person has to be mentally stable and have to be calm, cool, and collected if they're going to be carrying a gun in the public. Okay, another thing is, what's, let's say a person is mentally stable, gets the permit, and then something happens. They become senile. They become uh, Alzheimer's. They get kicked in the head with a mule, and something happens to them later. You have to be able to screen these people to make sure that people who are carrying concealed weapons remain safe. And that's why a very cheap, very quick, easy test like the MMPI should be administered by those who choose to have a carry concealed weapons permit.
Likewise, anybody who wants to have something more than just a shotgun or a handgun, what used to be called a assault weapon, should also have to have to have insurance, a psychological background check before being able to own these weapons, and also should have to be an experienced, licensed, legal gun over for a certain period of time before they can prove that they are a proper legal law-abiding gun owner and then can be trusted with having the more powerful firearm. So you have to wait a couple years and to prove that you're a law-abiding person before you can start having the assault weapons. So yes, I am not calling for a ban on assault weapons. All I'm doing is saying that you have to prove that you have the ability to own it in a legal fashion and that you have to be safe and you have to be sane before you can be proven to have that assault weapon because there's a difference between owning a handgun and owning an assault weapon because you're more dangerous and like I said with greater power becomes ultimate responsibility okay now the final thing that I want to do and talk about and this is going to be the most controversial thing is the concept of gun registration okay now if you've seen a law and order episode from let's say 1986 and somebody gets shot and they go oh let's look into the computer let's see who this gun was registered to and try to figure out who it was and catch the bad guy you know what that's a crock because it doesn't happen there is no national database saying who owns guns because in 1986 it became illegal for the government to do that called the Firearm Owners Protection Act. There are no records showing who owns the guns, which is absolutely ridiculous. Because how the hell can we tell if a person is selling guns to somebody illegally if you don't know who the gun who sold it to the felon? If you can't trace the ownership of a gun, how can you tell if the person who sold it committed a crime when they gave it to a felon? Okay, if you want to sell it to your best friend and he's a felon, how the hell is anyone going to ever find out if there's no obligation for you to register that gun? What should happen is for every transaction of a gun, there should be a registration, it should be done at the gun store where they do the background check, and it should be documented as to who sold the gun and to whom. And then if you lose the gun or the gun gets stolen or lost, you have a duty to report it. That way if that gun gets used in a crime and you're the registered owner, you got splaining to do. Okay? That's what we need to do. Also, if you don't register the firearms when they let's say you lose your let's say you get a restraining order and you lose your right to own a gun, how do they know which guns you have to turn them back over to the government because you're no longer legally able to have them if there's no list of guns that you actually have. You might have 10 million guns, but right now there's no way of anyone being able to verify that. All you have to do is file an affidavit in which you say, no, I don't own any guns, and you've got to trust them on the honor system. If you become mentally insane and Baker acted or commit any crimes or become a felon, nobody knows what guns you already have. We have to have a list and register the guns. Now, I know the NRA has created this big scare saying that Oh, if we repeal this law, the government's going to come in and take all of our guns from us. What are we going to do? Well, we had this law before 1986. And you know what? You still had your guns. The government never came in and took your guns. Also, there are certain states that have gun registration laws, such as Hawaii and New York. And you know what? They never came in and took all your guns either. Six states currently require registration of assault weapons. And you know what? They haven't confiscated your weapons either. We need this. We need to know who has the guns for safety purposes so that the felons and the criminals and the mentally insane and those who provide guns to those illegally can be tracked. And it will help law enforcement and will reduce crime. Okay? So I'm not talking about taking your guns from you. I'm only saying taking guns away from criminals and other people who shouldn't have guns like the mentally ill. I'm not saying take away your assault weapons. I'm saying you just registrate, just make it 
um, a little bit more difficult to obtain and prove that you are a law-abiding citizen and that you are mentally stable and that you have insurance in case something bad does happen. Like I said, it is a balancing test. That's what we have to do is we have to get together and we have to talk about things. We have to balance the rights of gun owners under the Second Amendment and balance that against the need of society to protect its citizens. Okay? That's what all of my ideas are about. I'm not trying to become extreme. I understand that most people who own guns are law-abiding citizens who will only use it to protect their families. But like I said, the purpose of the NRA was safety. The reason why people want to have guns is safety. They want to protect society. The goal is to reduce gun deaths, and yet the laws that are designed don't do that because of loopholes and other things. For instance, the people talk about how in, the, how in Chicago there's all these crimes, therefore gun laws don't work. No, local gun laws don't work because if you can't buy a gun in your local city or county or state, you just go to the next one over and buy it. What we need are federal gun laws, and we need to be able to track this through statistics to see which laws work and which laws don't work. So thank you. For seven hours, I've talked about the Constitution. I've talked about guns. I've talked about assault weapons. I've talked about different programs. I've talked about the NRA. I've talked about my big ideas for, ch for changing things and now the micro, um, the micro ways of changing everything on the big scale and the small scale. I hope that some of these ideas people listen to. I hope conservatives and gun lovers can able to compromise because I'm willing to compromise and liberals are willing to compromise as well. But the problem is, if you're not willing to compromise, if all you do is criticize, if all you do is oppose things, then what's going to happen is when liberals do take power back, then they are going to ban your assault weapons. Then they are going to take your guns. Then they are going to confiscate your weapons. And you don't want that to happen. So please compromise. I might not have all the best ideas. If you might have other ideas, let's do it together. Let's have ideas together. But after seven hours and 14 weeks, I'm finally exhausted the gun, gun topic on Fight Back. Next week, we're going to do something a little bit different. Okay, We're going to have guests coming on who are running for political office here in Pasco County. So our first guest next week, hopefully if she can still make it, is running for county commissioner in Pasco County. And I'm going to talk to her about what she plans to do if she's elected to the county commissioner here locally. So I hope that you enjoyed the last seven hours, and I'll see you next week. Bye.